When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 52, Cubs All-Star Week. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on the socials. Fly the W670 on Twitter and Instagram. Fly the W on Facebook. Email us at flythew670 at gmail.com. And when you reach out, don't forget to reach uh, Crawley. It's his birthday today, so a couple birthday message to Crawley would be appreciated. Crawley, happy birthday and uh, happy uh, end of the all-star festivities. Yeah. You know, you, I, I feel good because the Cubs cannot lose on my birthday and break my heart. So <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> very good. Very good. All right. Let's get right into it. So Monday night we had the uh, home run derby Tuesday. We had the uh, all-star game, but let's get into the uh, home run derby part. It continues to be the most exciting part of the all-star game festivities. Yeah, we, we, uh, we, we had our picks and, uh, last time out and I, you know, I got the winner, right. But, uh, it, it was a crazy all-star game. It was a ton of fun. Uh, in the first round, Adelaide Rushman, it, it, you know, from Baltimore catcher, he sits there and he's just pounding the ball out of there. And then after a timeout near the end of his round, he goes and bats from the other side. So he started left-handed and hit like 21, 22 home runs. And then he flips over and then does another four or five. And you're thinking, oh, my God. Right away, I was like, uh-oh, I should have picked this guy. But then the White Sox, Luis Robert Jr. comes in, and he absolutely demolishes the ball in round one, and he beats him 28 to 27 to advance to the second round. Yeah, that was a fun That was a fun matchup. The, the beginning of it was fun. Um, I enjoyed most of it, but it does get very drawn out. Yeah, I, I love it. I, it. To me, it's my favorite event. So uh, then you had Adolis Garcia versus Randy Arozarena. And we talked about how Randy loves the, you know, the bright lights. And he, he did loves not the lights. disappoint, Yes, he man. does. He loves the lights. He did not disappoint. He takes that round 24-17. Although Adolis Garcia, I thought he should have gone to the bullpen. His Whoever was pitching to him was awful. Uh, Mookie Betts, you know, God bless his heart for, you know, giving it a try. But going up against Vladimir Guerrero, 26 to 11. It wasn't even close. I kind of felt bad for Mookie. I was like, just let this end. He's just not built for it. Mookie Betts is a great baseball player. He's not built for home run derby. No, but one guy that is, is Pete Alonzo. He puts up 21. Everything's looking good, but I mean, I mean, he had to go up against Julio Rodriguez who knocks him out for the second year in a row. Julio put on a show in front of the hometown 41 home runs, Dustin, a new record. And he was just, it was unbelievable. Pete Alonso comes out from under the tunnel. He's lifting weights. He's in the batting cage. He's got to get 41 home runs. That's just not happening. Yeah, it's just a huge, huge number. And uh, he was uh, pretty generous about uh, congratulating him and, and wishing him well. But, yeah, he definitely put on a, uh, a uh, definite show for the hometown folk. Now, second round, you had Luis Robert versus Randy Rosarena. I thought for sure. The way that Robert just – it looked like such an easy swing th that he has, his home run swing. But Randy Rosarena hits 35 home runs to knock Robert out in a huge upset. And then 
Vladimir Guerrero Jr. versus Julio Rodriguez. Julio made a mad dash at the end, but Vladimir Guerrero's 21 home runs will hold up. I think Julio just gassed himself out in the first round. Yeah, a little too much. He uh, didn't need to go that far, but he didn't know, right? He went first, right. so there's no telling, um, like, okay, I can take it easy because I passed him. It is kind of the benefit of going second in this matchup. Right, and then in the finals, Vladimir Guerrero versus Randy Orozarena. Uh, Guerrero gets 25, and it looked like it was going to hold, but Orozarena made a late charge, but he just fell short. And just at the end, it was really cool because Vladimir Guerrero goes up them and does Randy's uh, little pose with the crossed arms, man. And it was just so much fun. I, I, I love that event so much. Yeah, it's cool. I, I wonder sometimes though, you, you, it's hard to keep track. They're going so fast, right? They're, they're hitting the ball out at such breakneck speed that sometimes you don't know where they're at in the count. Is it this? Is it that? I, I almost, and then seeing highlights of the old days, like I was watching Mark McGuire in Boston, right? Sending him over the green monster, but it was one at a time because I think back then it was, you had to hit until you got 10 outs, right? You okay, hit, yeah. you, you, you hit, if you made 10 outs, meaning you didn't get it out of the park that counted as an out. And then every other hit that went out of the park, obviously counted as a home run. So you don't get to see it as much. I think the, I think the current version is fantastic for the people that are at the ballpark. I think it's awesome. But I think for television, it might be better with the 10-out format. I think, the, to me, the problem was the announcers. I thought that, and, and I know Chris Berman's not the greatest guy in the world. I missed him. It made me miss him. Yes, yes. That's where I was, is I'm like, man, you got get, you have to get excited about it. <laughs> right, yeah, you needed some of that. You, need, you needed right. some fun, yes. He, some it, people it's, found it obnoxious. Listen, people hated Joe Buck until Joe Buck went away and you realize how great of an announcer Joe Buck is. Yeah. You know, people are always going to dislike controversial people. I mean, you know, all the great announcers are, they're going to have their detractors. People didn't like Harry Carey, you know, it's, um, it is what it is, man. But in that kind of event, you need to kind of get keep it hyped up. And, 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 and that's what Berman could do is he could get your excitement built. And I thought that the guys that were announcing it to me were a little dull. And right. then I don't know if anyone else saw this, they gave Bo Bichette a microphone and he kept going up to talk to Vladimir Guerrero and they kept asking him to say things, but, but Bo Bichette doesn't speak Spanish and he couldn't really do anything. It was like, why did you give this guy a microphone? So yeah. I, I, I thought the, bro, I thought the announcers just left a lot to be desired. Yep. Yeah, not nothing's perfect, but uh, let's get into the actual game itself. So we'll fast forward to uh, Tuesday night, national league taking on the American league. And we've only got one, uh, one local guy in the game because uh, we had the uh, White Sox player get hurt, at least uh, felt a little pop during home run derby. So no, uh, no White Sox in this game. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Luis Roberts out. Uh, we talked about Marcus Stroman, not, um, not going to the game and we know about Dansby's injury. So, uh, you know, when, when you looked at the game, the national league won for the first time since 2012, Dustin, over 10 years ago, so they are going to take this one three to two. The AL got on the board in the bottom of the second when Tampa Bay Ray outfielder Yandy Diaz hit a solo home run. NL answers back in the top of the fourth. Luis Arise continues to hit every ball thrown near him. He hits an RBI single to score J.D. Martinez to tie it at one. Bo Bichette hit a sack fly to score Salvador Perez to put the AL back up two to one. But in the bottom of the eighth, 
Elias Diaz, journeyman catcher who at age 32 is playing in his first all-star game. He takes Felix Diaz deep on a two-run homer to put the NL up three to two. That would be the final, and Diaz would be named the MVP, the first Rocky player to ever win the award. But, Dustin, like we talked about on the last show, you know, the pitching's so good, it usually comes, you know, it's the defense. There were some really great defensive plays in the game. Obviously, in the first inning, Adolis Garcia makes a phenomenal play, and Randy Rosarena makes one both at the wall. I thought that it was phenomenal. But as far as offense, there's just never really much offense. No, not much offense. That uh, that's what uh, kind of stinks, right? There's not a whole lot of not a whole lot of offense. Um, it's got a it's got an unbelievable streak of going under. Um, there's barely any runs in this game, and uh, so that's a little bit disappointing. But these pitchers, you know, basically everybody's coming out and they're acting like closer, right? They just lean back, give it all they have, which is cool, I guess. But I, I, I'm kind of a uh, I'm kind of a guy that likes to see the ball put into action, ball put into play a little bit more um, than it was. And um, let me just say, I hated those National League uniforms. They were awful. I mean, a dark blue with some like hint of camo with dark black pants. I mean, the the players were almost unidentifiable. unidentifiable. You couldn't tell who they were. You had to be a hardcore baseball person to know who that was. I get a special hat. I understand that. Sell some caps. Okay. So you're, you're a, you're a, a guy who likes to buy stuff from different, different things. I can get a, a baseball cap and, but you don't need these special jerseys. Looks awful. Who, who, come on, Crowley, seriously. Do you know who buys this stuff? I, there, there are people that buy it and there's collectors and then they get them signed and stuff like that. Here's what I would say is that I am someone that's of the preference. I like the jerseys. I thought the jerseys looked good. Whoever picked out the pants for the National League, navy blue and black, has to be colorblind. That was absolutely the worst. It was just terrible. It was a terrible combination. Worst combination. I'm one, I, I am one who believes I like I prefer the jerseys and let the teams wear their team hats. That's what okay. I like. So opposite of what I exactly opposite of why I said, but at least then it's a little easier to identify who the heck is who. Right. And so, you know, especially was, the pitchers, I really had a hard time with the pitchers. Right. So I think if they had the team hats, I, that, that would be my thing. I thought the jerseys looked really cool. I thought, like I said, I don't know who to pick the pants out. They should have been Navy and Navy. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I think just it would have looked bad, a lot cooler. Yeah, just a bad, just a bad combo overall. Not, not much of a game until, until late. Right. Right. And, and, and the thing that cup fans were waiting for, Justin Steele comes in the bottom of the fifth. He pitched a scoreless inning. Adolis Garcia let off with the inning with a fly out to right. Austin Hayes lined one to single. That's the only hit he gave up. And then Steele got Josh Young to ground out softly to third base. Uh, third baseman from the Braves, Matt Olson, made a great play to throw him out. And then Justin struck out Joanna Haim to end the inning. So uh, it was really a lot of fun seeing Justin enjoying himself and and uh, being able to be have that all-star experience. And his birthday, uh, right? And his birthday. His birthday, his son's first birthday. His fiance was out there. His family was out there. So for Justin, um, just just a tremendous honor. And, and I've had a chance to meet Justin's family. His you know his brother, his uh, son, and, and his and his fiance. They're just such great people, man. And and I was so happy for them. Yep, very very cool. I was surprised though, and it got really kind of underreported. Any surprise? We knew Marcus Stroman wasn't going to 
to be in the game playing. We knew Dansby Swanson wasn't going to be in the game playing. We assumed Marcus Stroman was not going to show up. But Dansby Swanson quietly not out there at all, and I was a little bit surprised. I'm not necessarily ticked, but I am surprised he wasn't there. Uh, I, I'm not. I, I just When you're injured, you just take that chance to get healthy, and then so, you know, I, I'm not that surprised, but, uh, you know, I just want these guys to get healthy and be ready to play come the second half. All right, let's take a listen to Crawley's interview with WGN Sports' Josh Friedman from a behind-the-scenes look at the All-Star festivities from Monday and Tuesday. And joining me live from the Seattle airport, I'm with WGN's Josh Friedman. Josh, how you doing, buddy? What's up, Crawley? This is becoming like a, uh, an annual thing, me talking to you on my way back from the All-Star game at the airport. I like it. I, I like it too, man. And and I got to tell you, it was um, it, it seemed like it was a great time out there. Seattle seemed like a great host city, like if Chicago would get an All-Star game one of these days. But it looked like you had a blast out there. I, I did, man. And look, I had never been to Seattle before, so this is my first time experiencing the city. And it was brilliant between the weather and just the um, accessibility. The stadiums are right on the water, both uh, baseball stadium, T-Mobile Park and Lumen Field where the Seahawks play. So really a pristine, like beautiful, um, just, you know, atmosphere there. And, you know, as far as the game, um, you couldn't ask for, for better weather last night. And, and I was told, you know, by someone besides San Diego, Seattle has this time of year, the best weather in the United States. And it was 75 and sunny. And you saw that in the, the pictures last night at the game. And um, totally true. I mean, Chicago is still number one summer city, obviously. I think we can agree on that. But Seattle definitely giving it a run for its money. You hear all about the uh, the rain and uh, the cloudiness, and they get that the rest of the year, but this is the time to, to have an event like this. So uh, really a first-class city that I was glad to experience. When did you get to Seattle? When did you arrive? I got there Sunday late afternoon, so the draft had probably just started. Um, so we weren't covering the draft here. So I got here Sunday evening-ish, around 5, and so I got to explore a little bit Sunday night, and then Monday, Tuesday, kind of working from the morning on to the, the evening, um, which was, uh, you know, fun to go to the home run derby. We talked to all the players Monday afternoon at the ball field. So, um, you know, obviously we had three Cubs, only one was there, which was disappointing, but obviously with Swanson being injured and Stroman electing not to come, it was the Justin Steele show. So he got all the spotlight for us. And I was also covering Luis Robert Jr. And then um, I had a few other uh, players as well um, that we had to cover for our affiliates. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and, you know, I was going to ask you because, like I said, you know, it looks so much fun. You saw a couple teams like, you know, Atlanta and, and uh, it was a bunch of others that had like a bunch of guys, teammates together while, while you know, poor Justin Steele's on his own. It looked like he had a good time, though. He did, yeah, you know, and it was, it was his birthday, which if you're talking about like having the, the perfect experience when it's, you know, your birthday and your son's birthday, Bo, he turned one. So to be able to, you know, have that and share it with family, his fiance Libby was there. We caught up with them on the red carpet. They have this, you know, huge red carpet event that is, um, you know, it's a fashion show, right? You see some pictures right there of Justin um, looking pretty good, obviously. And it's funny that they have this red carpet show in the middle of all the all-star festivities, but they dressed Bo up in the little bow tie. That was adorable. And the guys, you know, they have a great time because they can show off their families and all the people that were there. Luis Roberts was with 12 people, for instance, you know, friends and family and his entourage. So 
Justin, uh, you know, his parents were here as well. Uh, he had siblings and obviously uh, Libby and Bo to share it with. And he was, um, I really, you know, feel like he was soaking it all in when I've gotten to know Justin a little bit over the years. He's pretty, you know, um, even keel, laid back. You know, he's got that, you know, rural Georgia kind of feel about him, just like super humble. And he was opening up more than I have really talked to him over the last couple of days, just about getting this experience and how having been through you know, a lot of adversity drafted out of high school in 2014 took him nine years to get to this point, which, you know, look, um, he's still just 28 years old, but at the same time, when you feel like you're 18 to start your pro career, getting to this point a decade later, feels like a really long journey at Tommy John and the minors missed off 2020 because of the pandemic. So a lot of hurdles to overcome made it to the big leagues, obviously a couple of years ago, then really emerged uh, really the last full calendar year up until last like midsummer until now, I think he's the best pitcher in baseball by a lot of statistics. So really deserving of this. And I think he was really enjoying it. We spoke to him after his appearance last night in the game. And, you know, he told me, you know, the goosebumps coming out of the field, feeling that adrenaline, because he doesn't come out of the bullpen very often. But to have that uh, experience and to do it on his birthday was just uh, something he'll never forget. Yeah, you know, and I've had the chance to interview Justin myself and, and just a very humble kid, like you said. And I felt like when I was watching you guys interview him, that emotion was kind of, it was almost like a realization of, you know, I've, it, all that work, everything you've been through, whether it was the injuries, whether it was the pandemic season, whether it was everything, this was finally it, man. And it was the culmination of all that work for all those years to be among baseball's best players. And, and you just saw a smile ear to ear on that kid. <laughs> totally. And, and look, we, we forget sometimes that, these are human beings and 34 of the all-stars were first time all-stars. And so to be able to experience this. And I think the coolest part for a lot of guys is seeing some of their idols, you know, Clayton Kershaw is Steele's idol and he had already met him and talked to him when they played LA. So he was like, I kind of already did that, but able to be able to be on the same team, even though Kershaw wasn't playing um, is a special moment for Steele and just interacting with a lot of these guys. They, you know, with interleague play, they play everyone now. So it's not as unique to maybe, face a guy from the American League West, for instance, but at the same time when someone on the Diamondbacks is your teammate or the Marlins or Braves or, or other teams that you don't get to see very often outside of the division, it's pretty cool. And, you know, for first deal, he mentioned, you know, Austin Riley's also from a very uh, similar area in uh, Georgia as him. And that uh, I believe he said, like, when they were in high school, Riley was like an exceptional athlete that he, he knew about. And he made that great play at third base during Steele's inning. So just to uh, experience that, and have a little moments afterwards uh, with Riley. It's those little things that I think makes the baseball midsummer classic super special. And I think that's why fans continue to tune in. Yeah. You know, you know, a small town, Lucidale, Mississippi. I mean, you, you look at this kid and, and, and it, it's just funny how far he's come. And, and I will tell you something. I, I love that him and Bo, and I love, I love the all-star. I love the home run derby because all the you know players and their families, the kids are all sitting there just watching the show. And it just seemed like that stadium was absolutely electric, especially the performance that Julio Rodriguez put on. I mean, that had to have been goosebumps for you over there. <laughs> yeah, and thanks for correcting me. Mississippi, I get my southern states wrong a lot. So oh, Mississippi, no worry, obviously, no not, not Georgia. Um, but, but yeah, the home run derby, you know, the hometown kid hitting 41 in the first round, setting a new record. That was incredible. And we've seen Julio do this now two years in a row, have incredible first rounds and then ultimately not win the thing. But that's the nature of this uh, this tournament with the, the you know knockout round style of the bracket. But that was electric. And then last night at the game, I thought the coolest part was when Shohei came up and the fans started chanting, come to Seattle. 
And Shohei acknowledged that after the game, too. He said, I love Seattle. It's been a great city. So, you know, maybe starting to get the, you know, uh, a little bit of the um, crumples, uh, tea leaves, if you will, of what's going to happen in his free agency. But he can do that for all uh, 29 other teams, I think, because everyone's going to want Shohei Otani. There's probably only going to be really four or five realistic destinations for him. But, um, but yeah, I think those moments definitely stood out. That first inning when the two you know, catches in the outfield by Rosarena and Garcia and, you know, the fun that they, they have together, um, that was really cool, too. And, 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 you know, when you think about it, when Shohei first came here, Chicago was the only team he took a meeting with that was not on the West Coast. So when you take a look at what Shohei wants, obviously there's going to be money involved, but he wants to go for a winner. He spoke during the All-Star break about losing and losing sucks. And so, you know, Seattle was in the playoffs last year. They got some pretty good young players in there. And then, you know, when you, when you talk, uh, you know, a West Coast team, again, it makes travel easier from Japan. So... Like you said, looking into the tea leaves, you wonder, you know, if that wasn't possible. just a perfect yeah. moment for Seattle, you know? It's possible. Yeah, I can see, you know, look, Seattle, obviously, with, with Ichiro being here for as long as he was um, from 2001 on, you know, they have that history with Asian players and be able to, to show that this is a, a city that can support, you know, great baseball players and teams. I think that's a possibility. Look, you know, I, me, me and you would both love the Cubs to get Shohei. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I would be very surprised if the Ricketts open up a blank check and it's probably going to be close to a half a billion dollars. And, you know, if it comes down to money, I think Steve Cohen's going to offer the most. I, I, I would be surprised if that's not the case. But does Shohei want to play in New York? Does he want to stay in L.A.? Does he want to put the, I think the Dodgers are, to me, the front runner. Um, does he want to go and stay in the West Coast and go up to Seattle? Um, or would he be happy in the Midwest and play with, you know, uh, one of his buddies and say a Suzuki. I, I think that we don't ultimately know that, but um, I, I don't think, unfortunately, that, that the Cubs are going to be um, right now an option for him. But I could totally be wrong. Maybe they'll make a run in the second half and convince him that they're ready to compete next year. Now, I know that you miss, the Futures game was on Saturday. Did you have a chance to see Pete Crow Armstrong or talk to him at all? No, because we got here Sunday. But, you know, I, when we talked last year, I think I remember, you know, speaking to you about, um, my experience with Pete Armstrong because I, I went to uh, South Bend at the time he was there playing for the Cubs and got to talk to him. Um, it, he's he's a confident dude for sure. You know, <laughs> he knows he knows his skill set. But you know, growing up with a family of actors and kind of being in you know almost like getting media training in a way, he knows what uh, it's like. Even though he is still super young, um, the defensive plays and just uh, the ability to to run the bases. You're seeing some of the, the triples he's legged up this year, the highlight reels. Um, that is, to me, um, what makes him MLB ready right away. Those things are going to be there, whether he can hit um, for a high enough average and, and power at this point in his trajectory. That remains to be seen, but he's only in double A. So I think Cubs fans are eager for his promotion to, to Iowa. I think it'll happen before the end of this year. And then, um, you know, we'll see what happens with um, – with his trajectory to the big leagues. I expect him to be here in Chicago next year. I don't know if that's going to be breaking camp with the, with the team. Um, certainly if they let Cody Bellinger go or they trade him at the deadline, center field's open. And that was kind of the, uh, the idea, I think, behind giving Bellinger a one-year flyer deal, not locking that position down because they know what they have in PCA. He's going to be the future of that position for sure. Absolutely. So we got the Futures game, the Home Run Derby, the All-Star game. What else is there out there for someone that's hoping to go to an All-Star game or maybe attend when it comes to Chicago? 
Yeah, and, and look, the fact that Wrigley hasn't hosted in, what, uh, 33 years, uh, which is pretty crazy in my mind. Seattle last hosted in 2001, so they've gotten it obviously more recently here. Uh, it's going to be in Arlington next year and then Philly the year after that. So the earliest the Cubs could see it is 2027 um, or 2026, I should say. So, yeah, it, it's I don't see why it's not back at Wrigley, um, especially since the renovations. The Rickets kind of said once we do all these renovations, we want to have an all-star game. I think that makes perfect sense because it wasn't really accessible with the smaller ballpark and, and, and everything that, that was there before um, in the neighborhood, as you know, is totally transformed. So I think it would be super accommodating to all the fans that would come in for the all-star game. But, um, but yeah, there, there was a really cool event Friday uh, that Ken Griffey Jr. helped put on uh, with HB, HBCU Classic. So um, that was, from what I understand, a really cool event to go to. They have this, this play ball free events at Lumen Field where the Seahawks play across the street. So there's, there's tons of things for fans that aren't shelling out $300 to go to the All-Star game, right? There's fun, free things for them to do, and that's in every city. And, you know, I went to L.A. last year, and it's just a different experience because Dodger Stadium, it's not really around anything. It's traffic nightmare. Seattle, yeah, there's traffic, but, like, you are staying in the nearby hotels. And if you could, if you wanted to, you can walk there. We took a media shuttle and it was about a mile away, but it's just super accessible to other things, the stadium and where that, where that is. I, I think Arlington's going to be similar to Dodger stadium last year, because I think the ballpark I've never been, but from what I understand, I have friends that have gone, it's, it's not really close to anything either. Um, so we'll see if I get lucky enough to, to go next year. Curious to see how, uh, how it plays out. But you know, the all-star festivities, there's so much more for fans to do besides attend the game and the home run derby. If I was a fan, I'd probably want to go to the derby if I had the choice of one of the two. I just think that's pretty cool to be able to sit in the outfield and just, you know, hopefully shag balls, get a, get a few opportunities to get a home run ball. And um, I think that excitement level is a little bit more sustained than watching a, a three-hour game that, you know, most of the guys you don't even know, these relievers coming in from different teams. And so it could be a little bit of a slog. But last night was fun. It was competitive. It was, it was a close game throughout. All right. If you have one memory that you're walking away with from the 2023 All-Star Game, what's the thing you think is going to resonate or stick with you the most? Eating grasshoppers. <laughs> so I don't know if you knew that, but Seattle, they have grasshoppers as one of the concession items. And I remember years ago, like maybe 2019 before the pandemic, it was a big thing because they put it on the menu and people were trying it. And I was like, I, if I ever get to Seattle, I got to try it. And I had heard they were not there anymore. And I was upset. And I'm walking by one of the concessions there, the press box, and they offer grasshoppers. I'm like, I got to do it. So it's this little container. And I've described them as like a salty, crunchy, almost like a sunflower seed. You would never know it's a bug unless they told you, honestly. Like, it's not like the head is really sticking out. They're, they're um, I don't know exactly how they are are made once they, they have the, the grasshopper or like what the process is. I'm sure it's, it's fried up and it's, you know, not as healthy as is <laughs> eating like, an, uh, you know, something from, from nature, like an insect, but it was good. And I, I grossed a few people out because I tried uh, to get them to eat it and they were not happy. Um, but <laughs> I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. And it was uh, definitely one of the highlights is, is trying that for sure. Well, Josh, appreciate you coming on. Would you tell our listeners where they can follow you on social media and where they can see your work? Yeah, absolutely, buddy. Thanks again for the invite. Uh, social media, Twitter is uh, Josh underscore Friedman. It's right there on the, the handle. Uh, no track mark anymore because I, I think, you know, it's what you know what happens with Twitter. I'm on threads, though, I guess, too. Um, even though I, uh, I haven't really fully adapted it, but um, you can watch us on, on WGN each night. We got GN Sports 1030 p.m. on uh, Monday through Sunday, every day of the week. I'm on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So um, a good amount of time to, to share, you know, baseball, football. It's coming up with, with training camp, all the Northwestern stuff breaking. So we're, we're on top of it all with our sports team. So really appreciate you having us on. Absolutely, Josh. You take care and have a safe flight home, buddy.
All right, Crowley. Appreciate it, bud.